Folks, the Winnipeg Jets have finished their three-game road trip through the Pacific Division, and yes, they collected five out of six points, which is pretty darn good when you consider it's been uh, obviously the the uh, Arizona Coyotes, LA Kings, and Vegas Golden Knights. Getting five out of six points sounds really great, and it is, but there are a few worrying signs with this team that I think are worth taking a look at on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, like I said on tonight's episode, uh, obviously the the Western Conference trip through the Pacific Division was kind of our, our point of focus. Now, uh, we've talked about the game against the LA Kings. We haven't talked about what happened against Arizona. And just recently, of course, uh, last night, Vegas, that was a tough overtime loss, but Let's be honest. I think all of us were at least just happy that somehow Winnipeg came out with the point, right? Uh, I think we all expected it to be some kind of a loss, but maybe given what actually occurred during the game, we were just happy to walk away with any sort of result, right? Winnipeg, I think in the first game in which they conceded like four goals in the first period, they might have actually played more competitive hockey then. In this game, you know, the Jets, of course, kind of got walked over. So that's not ideal. But um, we're going to save the, I guess, nastier stuff for later. Let's start off with the positives, right? What did the Jets do right on this trip? And I think there were a couple of good things, right? I think offensively, you know, the Jets had some occasionally good puck movement, especially against Arizona, which is, is not exactly the most impressive thing to say, but, you know, it is like a growing pain with this team. Um, and the Kings and the Knights are definitely fast paced, which put the Jets under a lot of stress. So, uh, it wasn't really surprising that the Jets struggled against LA and Vegas. But unfortunately, Winnipeg didn't seem to have apologies, folks. You might have just cut out there. Uh, I was just saying that I think, you know, looking back at this, I, I think LA, I wasn't really expecting this game to give the Jets as many fits as it did. But the Kings really seem to have Winnipeg's number early on. And in the uh, you know in the, the Vegas game, the Knights were much the same, using a lot of speed. And despite all that, I think Winnipeg really held tough. I think that they showed a lot of determination and grit. And Hellebuck in particular was unbelievable. Uh, across all of these games, uh, barring you know the Arizona game in which Riddick was the backup, um, Hellebuck was just stupendous. I mean, Riddick had a, a nice game against the Yotes, relatively speaking, but in LA and Vegas, obviously Hellebuck had the net and he did a fantastic job. I thought that he had um, 
some of his best outings of his career, especially the Vegas game. That one, he was almost unbeatable, and it's just stuff you love to see. On the list of other positives, I would also say the fourth line continues to shine. David Gustafson, for me, continues to audition for a bigger role with this team, and I don't really understand why he's not getting it. I think Gustafson has already supplanted a lot of the guys in the bottom six, and he might even be good enough to play in Winnipeg's top six. Um, I've been a big proponent of his for a while now. I think that he has a lot of really underappreciated skills. I think he's a very smart player. I think that his positioning is great. He's got very good vision. He understands space at a very intimate level. His passing is great, and he has a really good work ethic. And so for me, he's just like the ideal two-way center. He does everything really well. I think that offensively, he has some really good tool sets to help him shine alongside skilled finishers. All you have to do is just put good players at his wing, and you'll see him start to really shine. Also of note, uh, Cole Perfetti, speaking of skilled wingers, has been dynamite. He had a fantastic goal against um, the Arizona Coyotes. He has been slowly racking up points this season. I believe he is, what, second on the team in scoring, if not third by now, uh, at least somewhere in the top five, which is really good to see. He was one of our, our big players slated to get a big promotion this year um, and really be considered one of our offensive mainstays. Thus far, that continues to be the case. For some reason, he's not really featuring on the first power play, which I don't fully understand. I think, for me, Perfetti needs to be in all situations for the Jets that are like your top skilled players. I don't think that he should be relegated towards second tier duty, especially with him being uh, not only one of our top scorers, but just one of our top creators. And he also has the defensive work ethic that I think every coach really, you know, loves to see. So for me, Perfetti really should be a more featured part of this team. Same that I say with Gustafson. He, you know, at least is already getting second line minutes at even strength, but you know, Perfetti really needs to just be playing more for this team. I think he can offer more. I think that there's a lot in his game that the Jets haven't really tapped into yet. And while I really love and appreciate Blake Wheeler and stuff, I think him on Perfetti's line and maybe in Perfetti's spot on the power play might not be the best option. I might kind of look to rotate him a little bit more because uh, recently, you know, despite getting some points, you can tell that the transition game is a little bit rough for him. And it's just difficult for him to keep up versus, you know, some of these younger players who have a little bit more stamina, uh, who can play that faster pace game. And I think Perfetti, despite maybe not having the swiftest skating, uh, can still do a lot of other stuff that allows him to keep up. So I think for me, Perfetti needs to be emphasized a little more. Uh, same with Gustafson. I think the Jets are still kind of trying to cling to some of their older ways and some of the veterans. But at some point, you kind of have to turn over the score and let some of the youth really take over. But, um, you know, for all of that, obviously I, th I said that there were some things that weren't so great, and we'll spend some time diving into what the Jets are really struggling with in a little bit uh, and how the Jets kind of might work around. I, I wouldn't say solving these things, but at least trying to deal with them head on. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your football betting needs, whether it's college or professional. They've also got you covered for the start of this upcoming basketball season. You can find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth analysis, predictions, and everything in between on every game from all of your favorite sports. They remain your continued source for all of these sports updates with live betting, uh, up-to-the-minute scores, 
and all of the information and analysis you can handle to, to help you make the most informed bets possible. And if you don't love, you know, basketball or football, they've also got MMA, boxing, golf, motorsports, uh, German football. They've got just about everything you can possibly imagine. If you love the Premier League, they've got you covered there. But if you want a bit of a change of pace away from sports, they've also got Vegas casino games because they really want to appeal to everyone and give you something to have a bit of fun with. So get started today with a free account at betonline.net with your laptop or mobile device because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Uh, like I said at the top of this episode, we're taking a look at Winnipeg's Pacific Division trip, which had a very good outcome in terms of standings points, maybe some questions about the um, the performance along the way. But we talked about some of the good stuff. Uh, I, I don't want to dive into some of these things that were less ideal, uh, just because I think that is where a lot of the focus will be for Winnipeg um, over the next few days to try and sort out some of the stuff that's wrong with the team. I think there's a lot that Winnipeg is trying to unpack right now. Uh, but before we go any further, I did want to shout out a really cool podcast segment that I think you really should be checking out. You should make your second listen, our game-to-game segment of Locked on NHL. It features every moment, every top performance, and every result uh, with our Locked On game-to-game coverage, and it features all of the games from the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. You can follow Game to Game on Locked On NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts, same as where we're found. Uh, Of course, it's free to subscribe, so be sure to do that right now because, as always, we really appreciate your support. Now, circling back to the Jets, um... I mentioned earlier that one of the big things that killed them against LA and Vegas has been speed. And I think the way that Vegas and LA use speed is particularly poignant. Uh, Both have really good skating, right? I think that is something that is apparent. It's like really rapid north-south skating. But once they're inside the offensive zone, they use that good rotational skating paired with really quick one-touch passes. Their passing and puck movement is fantastic. Um, Their ability to move high to low or around the perimeter at will has made the Jets' defense really scramble to try and chase the puck carrier. It tires Winnipeg out, and the Jets often find themselves just really running out of steam against these teams. I think Vegas really did this uh, especially well. Um, You know, the the Knights held the puck for most of the game, and I think Vegas was only really uh, unfortunate to run into a super hot Hellebuck. Hellebuck really stonewalled them for almost the entire game. Um, and were it not for a superhuman effort from Jack Eichel in overtime with a very gassed overtime unit, you know, Hellebuck might have been able to steal an extra point because the Jets, for the most part, really got outplayed. Uh, I think earlier in the day, New Jersey had set uh, the NHL record or something for like expected goal difference. They they obliterated the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, um, I think that record might have been broken by Vegas uh, against the Jets. Vegas had something like six or seven expected goals based on the chances that they were creating in the slot. And if you watch the game, it's not really shocking. I mean, Vegas sort of ran over Winnipeg in the slot, and uh, you can tell Winnipeg's defenders really struggled. One area that I think the Jets really need to work on um, is like zone exits, right? This has been something I've talked about before, uh, skating with possession, controlled exits, And also, 
and I think the the passing inside the defensive zone continues to be an issue. Uh, like Winnipeg's tape to tape passing is among the worst I've seen of, of any team out there. It's like the Jets just constantly feed pucks into opposing skates, and I don't really understand it. I think that is something that Winnipeg would really like to get away from because uh, every time they do this, it tends to result in turnovers, which obviously the Jets really want to avoid. Uh, and it also puts a lot of stress uh, in front of Hellebuck because all of these turnovers usually find opposing skaters who were maybe late exiting the offensive zone in front of him. Uh, suddenly now they're available for an easy chance from like a quick uh, blue line to slot pass. And Hellebuck has to make like a 10 alarm save right in front of, uh, you know, whoever the shooter is. And, and all of these turnovers, the Jets keep doing them. All of their skaters are flying the zone. They're caught out of position, and Hellebuck has to deal with this stuff constantly. And I think that that lack of tape-to-tape passing, uh, it, it really hurts the Jets, especially transitioning up the ice. You know, we already know that their their blue line and, and their forwards do struggle at times to skate in transition with, with the puck itself. You know, they don't really skate out of pressure very much. Um, I've said that guys like Vili Heinola would really help with this. You know, the Jets defenders as is, they, they don't do this well. Even the forwards kind of struggle with it. And so Winnipeg just really needs more puck moving ability. I think that that is one of their biggest needs. And it's not something that they're just going to fix internally. I think they have to look more externally and try and seek some external help. I think um, unless Lambert somehow ends up being ready for the season, which I think is probably a little bit much to ask of him, uh, you definitely have to hope that like... um, some really good player comes along that the Jets could maybe trade for. Uh, I don't even know who would be available unless Vancouver has some kind of like a fire sale. I think Winnipeg in general just really lacks that speed and skill in transition game. And now that Ehlers is out, it's been especially glaring. So I don't know how Winnipeg is going to solve this. I think that is, is a question for another day because, you know, until Ehlers comes back and until the front office really shows any semblance of interest in trying to make some deals. I think this team is kind of at the stage it's going to be for now, which it it's unfortunate, but I mean, it is kind of what it is with this team. And I, I've said a lot about it. I've said that it's probably not the best way to do it, but you know, Winnipeg feels like coaching was the biggest issue. And while I, I think Maurice really did a lot to hurt this team, and certainly a lot of the assistant coaching staffs played a role in this as well, Let's be real. This Jets team hasn't exactly had amazing depth for several years now, and this is like the thinnest the squad has ever been. So if the Jets could find some like really good puck moving ability, whether it's at forward or on the back end, I would really love that. I think the Jets could really use it. Um, And I think the Jets just generally need to speed up their game and try to avoid falling into these pitfalls where they get stuck inside the defensive zone. They get caught making really silly passes and they turn the puck over repeatedly because it also means that they're not really getting any energy to go up the ice. And when they finally gain the offensive zone, they're struggling to create. So a lot of uh, stuff to improve upon. But I mean, we all kind of knew what this was going to be heading into the season and that Hellebuck was going to have to do a little bit of heavy lifting. Now, aside from that, uh, I do have some questions about the coaching staff that I think are, are worthy of asking, um, especially when it comes to like special teams and stuff. I'll talk about those in just a little bit and why it's a little bit concerning to see this crop up uh, already this season.
Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are closing out tonight with some final thoughts on uh, kind of how the coaching staff has handled the Jets in, in lieu of Rick Bonus being out because of COVID. Obviously, Scott O'Neill and Brad Lauer have been doing uh, a lot of the bench duties, and so far it's been a mixed bag for me. Um, Arneal, I haven't really gotten on with yet. I think there are some things that I think he's been right about. Um, in like the, the, the Arizona Coyotes game, I think he made the right choice to flip uh, Shifley and Dubois because, you know, the first line was really struggling to get anything going. The second line wasn't really doing a lot of damage either. Um, and so you you put like um, Perfetti and, and Wheeler with uh, Dubois and you started getting a little bit more traction or actually, sorry, Shifley with, with Perfetti and, and Wheeler, and you started getting a little bit more traction, uh, and then you flip Connor and, of course, Appleton with Dubois. It seemingly balanced out the top six a little bit better, but, you know, I still think, despite all that, you know, the line combos for the top nine still really aren't where they should be quite yet, and I think in the game against Vegas, uh, those line flips really did nothing at all. Uh, you know, Arneal kind of tried to keep with it, and it didn't really seem to bring any sort of results. I think in part because Appleton's definitely punching above his role and, and Wheeler and Perfetti, I don't really think, you know, I don't think that they work super well together just because uh, you need a little bit more like speed. I would think in terms of like passing skill and stuff, that's not really the issue. It's more like, you know, that transition ability and that skating speed. It's something that, you know, Wheeler and Perfetti both don't really have in like a lot of abundance. And so I think you need to kind of maybe swap that. Um, where I'm kind of wondering what's going on is like the power play in PK and then some of the overtime deployments. I, I haven't really understood why the PK still continues to be as bad as it was under the previous coaching regime. And like the power play doesn't really feel like it's been very effective either. In fact, the power play puck movement I've thought looks kind of slow. And I know people will say, well, Kyle Connor's just unlucky. And that partly is true. Uh, a few shots you, you could argue were a little bit unfortunate. Maybe he just misses just wide. But I think the biggest issue, right, is you've got Morrissey or Pionk uh, at the point, but neither of those guys are really elite puck movers when it comes to really rapid passing and keeping that cycle going uh, from the blue line to quarterback a power play. Um, you know, both are decent shooters at the faceoff circles and stuff, but if you want a guy who's going to shift that puck really quickly, Heinola, I think, actually does that pretty well. Uh, in terms of other blue liners who can maybe do it, Schmidt maybe at a stretch. Uh, it's not really a skill set the Jets have in abundance, to be honest. Um, and the other thing is, is I think if you if you really emphasize KFC as being your lead sugar man, it becomes predictable. And I think PK units against the Jets have found ways to kind of nullify his impact, and goalies are having easier times reading when the shot's coming because the puck passing and movement isn't really that fast. So I think there's a lot of things that are kind of working against the Jets power play. And I think some of it's relatively fixable. I think other parts you need to change the personnel up, but um, whether the Jets actually have any intention of doing any of this stuff, really hard to say. Uh, I just, I, I thought this was going to be something that would improve for Winnipeg. And in fact, it's actually gotten worse. Um, the PK has also been really poor. I feel like the pressure hasn't really generated enough turnovers I feel like the shot blocking and, and lane suppression hasn't really been great. To me, it just looks like what we saw in previous years, where the PK is literally just whatever Hellebuck can stop. So um, 
yeah, not loving that. It's not been ideal, but you know, the even strength play at least is slightly improving. Um, but we got to talk about that overtime stuff, right? Like what is going on with Appleton and Lowry and OT? I don't really understand that. I get that Lowry wins faceoffs, but in OT, you need speed and skill. And we didn't see Gustafson, uh, Perfetti. We didn't see Gagne. Any of your actual scores from the season, none of them featured in this unit, uh, which I don't really understand. And like against Vegas, right? Shifley played almost three minutes, which is a lot. And you could tell at the end of his shift when Eichel had the game winner, um, Connor, Shifley, and Morrissey were just totally out of energy. They could barely skate. And yeah, you can blame Shifley for not back checking, but I feel like they just should have had their minutes managed better. I mean, you, you can't really put out like three OT trios that weren't really generating enough and expect that to carry you. I really think Perfetti would have been a, a great fit for this. I mean, his vision and passing up the ice is phenomenal. He's got a good shot in space. Why not use him? Why not use Gustafson, who was your best player the whole night for the Jets other than Hellebuck? Why not put him out there? He's a wrecking ball on the forecheck. He's probably still fresh. He hasn't played a lot. Use him more. Like, I just don't understand. Um, and just these, these kind of weird questions about the coaching staff that I'm like, yeah, I hope Scott Arneal is not really the plan for Winnipeg after this. I think uh, in a lot of ways he does many of the same things that Paul Maurice did as head coach. So I, I would like a little bit more of a fresher direction um, if bonus after this year decides. That's kind of it. But you know how Winnipeg is, you know, that they kind of have um, – patterns of behavior. So don't be surprised if Arneal ends up becoming the head coach long-term. I just hope that by this point, maybe he'll have picked up a few extra tricks and it changed some of the habits that, you know, Winnipeg has kind of developed over the years, but I'd be curious to know what you think of his job so far. Let me know in the comments below. How do you feel about his, his process yet, his methods? Do you think it's really getting good results or do you question how those results are coming about? Like I said, drop me comments below. Or, uh, it, of course, at my social medias, at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and our famous take of the day. It's available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, same as Locked On Winnipeg Jets. So be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.